0: D20 Radio, your gamers role. 20 radiocom
1: Welcome to me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here tonight with Steve.
0: Hi Steve. Hi Steve. We're going to talk some RPGs. But before we get into that... <laughs> <laughs> yes, before that... Werewolves, the podcast.
1: Oh, Werewolf the podcast. Yep, Werewolf the podcast, another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. Hosted primarily by Josh Keith, who we've had on the show. He's a great great person, a uh, very good podcast. It focuses pretty much specifically on werewolf the apocalypse whichever edition of werewolf the game that is is that second edition first edition i don't know it was the big one the first one that went big but they do a lot of talk about all sorts of the books and aspects of the game and they have an actual play going and it has been a little bit since josh has released a new episode but i know he is a man with many many irons in the fire and uh it is not something he has walked away from and abandoned. It's just that too many hasn't... irons in
0: the fire have to be dealt with, <laughs> yes. one iron at a time. <laughs> uh,
1: but very, very good show. Very, very knowledgeable about the game and, and many, many aspects of it. So check that out. You can find it probably pretty much on all your podcatchers. Just search Werewolf the Podcast, or of course, you know, we'll have a link to their main feed down in uh, in the show notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So why don't you go ahead? What's our topic for today?
1: Well, kind of going off a listener suggestion on our Discord here for this one, they wanted us to talk about generators and using them, be it like the various, you know, lots of games have assorted random table generators, there's oracles, which I'm not real familiar with, you know, but I think a lot of them come down to effectively random tables, and I, I thought that, you know, we could kind of mix it all in a stew pot and and talk about whatever's floating on the top as we see it because that's what we do anyway
0: yeah so let me start by saying i'm biased because i do love me some tables fair um i love me tables for doing a handful of things first off if they're tables to be used in the middle of a game to generate a random effect oh i love it i will sit there and just preemptively roll dice before they even need to use that table as a way to make my players sweat. Um, <laughs> cause there's nothing that makes you sweat more than the sound of your GM rolling dice. And we right. all know how much I don't do weekly prep. So being able to roll on a table and just read out the result and then modify that to whatever I need. Oh, forget it. Forget it. That is killer. Is killer for me because that takes all of my brain power and makes it go. All right. I don't need about 50% of this. Fair. I Um, go ahead.
1: I say I like them, although I tend to be hesitant to follow them blindly.
0: Uh, No, I'm never going to follow a table blindly. What I'll say about that is I will read them first. Mm -hmm. I always take like mental stock of the tables in a book and the importance of them uh, to me. Mm -hmm. So like if a book and this is the truth, if a book, if a book's layout is in such a way where the tables are strewn throughout the book and then at the end of the book in the index or towards the end where the indices would be, I like a nice compendium of all the tables that exist in that book with just a little header and then the table and then a little header, and then the table. Give me that, and I am, like, a pig pagan slop. I am so happy with that. Because me sitting, trying to remember, that table's on page 45, and I'm on page 38. Like, I'm not going to sit there and tab through page after page after page. Throw them all at the back of the book, and I am happy, happy, happy. Fair.
1: I, As far as that goes, if they're thematically grouped, I like that.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not complaining. When I do find them in the book, I'm just saying that my favorite part, my favorite books that have a layout with tables like that, have the tables compiled in the back.
1: Fair, fair. I mean, I think, well, what I say, follow them blindly. Um, so no, what what I was saying, I don't want to follow them blindly. I guess I'm a little gun shy of them throwing the loose plans i have completely off kilter.
0: oh that's my favorite. Fair. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to immediately contradict you, but no, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part of random tables is okay, i had it's the best laid plans of mice and men. It's you know, you have a goal and you're like we're going to get here and we're going to go this way and then you hit a random table and it's like what happens if i roll on this? Blah. Oh, we're not going there and we're not doing that we're dealing with this that's why i don't like not to devolve too far right now but that's why i love like the deck of many things Mm -hmm. and just handing it to my players and going cause havoc i
1: think yeah and 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 look i think this is different because hearing what i said it probably sounds like i don't like random tables and in fact i actually do
0: yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Um,
1: but what I like them more for is as prep assistants, mm-hmm. or where I actually, I love random character generation tables, to a point. Here's what usually happens for me, and, and and I'll point to Cyberpunk Red or Cyberpunk 2020. We both, you know, we're familiar with the life path and and the the generation there as far as, the the random rolls for style or attitude well what i'll do a lot of times with that is i'll 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 be making say a pregen or a character and i may have an idea i may not a lot of times i'll roll on the first few tables and suddenly i i get this thing and then this thing and that okay now i know where i'm going and then i'm mm-hmm. off the tables but a lot of times or or i'll go i don't know how do i want Let's see what this table says, because I can incorporate that into my thing. You know, I think a lot of like the way you use tables is very popular in the OSR scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's part of why I. Well, okay, The reason I use tables that way comes back to where I cut my teeth at. I played tons of advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. 90% of OSR is advanced Dungeons and Dragons with a different skin slapped on it.
1: Fair.
0: I I know that's an inflammatory statement. Don't come at me. I understand how wrong I am. Please. But well, I, <laughs> I, it is, the point it is, it of is, old right? school revival is that, you know, in my opinion, the point of the old school revival is to bring back the old school style of playing, which was what we saw in advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sorry. It just is.
1: Yeah, now there there's games that that point at other games for inspiration, but I don't think, at least in spirit, you're not you know far off base.
0: No, and I I don't mean it as a dig at anything. It's just just an observation I've had playing, reading many of those games. I you know I know our Discord sort of got into this discussion the other day that a lot of people in the Discord haven't touched any of the OSR games. I pick them up, I read them. I not saying I put them on a table but I pick a lot of them up and read them. I like uh, the popular ones.
1: (laughs) Well, but I mean, you have stuff like Morkborg is very kind of OSR, you know, Cyborg.
0: Yeah, Morkborg and Cyborg are OSR. They're both, I mean, Morkborg at the end of the day is pretty much a stripped-down version of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Cyborg is basically that, too. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. Um there's a bunch of the other, the, the, what is it, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. I've read yeah. those. They're cool. I have no interest in playing Dungeon Crawls, but that's cool. If you mm-hmm. like that kind of thing, that's you. There's a lot of those that are really, um, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. The, a lot of the old school revival games are good, but they are sort of the same game, just with a different skin slapped on it. I
1: don't think you're as far off base as a lot of people want to scream that you are
0: yeah I, I I know i i I don't want to say that to be like, and I'm not saying that to be rude, and it's not that any of those games are bad. If you like playing them, then it's not a bad game. I don't yeah. like i I don't like um, I don't like the system attached to Shadowrun. shadow um, yeah, shadow run uh, uh,
1: uh, buckets of d sixes,
0: yeah, that's not my go to. but that all being said, If you love it and you love rolling buckets of D6 and doing that math, good on you. If you're a huge Warhammer fantasy player and you love the math and everything that comes along with that, then that's that's great. I'm glad you like your game that you play, Mm -hmm. but it's not for me. At the same time, I read these OSR games because I feel like they would be for me. And then I read a bunch of them and I'm like, I'm not ever going to put this on a table. Yeah. And it's not a slight against that game. It's just a, it's just a, that's not what I want to play right now, but that's cool. It's cool. It mm-hmm. exists.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And so like one of the things kind of, I don't know, sort of head back to where we were
0: at. Uh, let me find my
1: cursor. Where my cursor Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: you're fine. I'm the train to... left the station and we were both not on it. Trying to
1: find my cursor. Um. Our listener actually brought up specifically uh, Kevin Crawford's Stars Without Number.
0: Mm-hmm. And oh, know, that's a game a, with some tables.
1: Oh, it and now I have not yet bought the full PDF. I did, however, pick up the Stars Without Number revised edition, revised free edition, which, as I understand it, has not as many of the goodies and a lot less artwork. And right. there's a bunch of stuff in this that is really cool. Uh, generators for all kinds of things, from encounters to, you know, patrons to, to, you know, NPCs of assorted types. And the way Crawford has built these tables, I kind of like this because so many of them that, you know, and it me coming from Palladium background, lots of tables in Palladium games, almost all D100 tables, nothing wrong with them. I have a book somewhere of assorted random D30 tables. Why? Because I was looking for an excuse to buy a D30? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But what I like about Crawford's tables is, like, I'm looking at the one for, it's called One Roll patrons. So to roll on this table, you pick up a D4, a D6, a D8, a D10, a D12, and a D20. And you roll them, and each die gives you a different result for a different thing. Like, for example, the D6, and and like I said, I'm not trying to, you know, Whatever but I I'm literally reading off the free version of the PDF and anyone can go to drive through and get it. The D six is patron trustworthiness. Every from thing from they intend to totally screw over your PCs to they'll pay out even more than they originally promised. You know, um, D twelve is potential non-cash rewards, which could be, you know, all sorts of stuff. And like I said, I'm just looking at at the one one page in stars without number. Right. Now, to me, a table like this, can you use this on the fly at the table? Absolutely. I think this is great for okay, I need the PCs to get hired to do something. Who's
0: hiring them? Yeah, exactly. And there's your there's your guy. And
1: it's 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 quick, easy prep. And again, like I said, what I'll do a lot of the times is I might roll the handful of dice for this and, and just go through the first couple entries of the table and then start going. Oh, wait. Okay. Now, this thing on the table seems fun with this other two things that I already rolled, and, and go, or or I may just kind of go, okay, I've got this. Now I go off down a road. So I tend to use them a lot as partials and seeds, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to, you know, which I think it is a great way to use them. Okay. I, I'm not trying to say it's the best way. I'm not trying to say it's the only way. It's just my way.
0: <laughs> I'll say this. I love, like, okay, so starts Without Numbers, great, because, and I'll get into that in a minute, but something like Cyberpunk, right? The original Cyberpunk 2020, which you've talked about a little bit already, mm-hmm. has a lot of random tables that are very well flushed out random tables. Meaning that the result you roll on the table has a very well-defined, clear explanation of what the result means. Mm-hmm. And how to implicate that in the game. That's fine. And that's great for especially people that aren't familiar with the setting or aren't familiar with how to play that type of game or are looking to get everything as close to what the book wants as possible. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I don't hardly ever follow the exact instructions of that stuff and the reason i say that is not because the book's written badly or not because i don't like the book or not because any of that i have an overactive imagination that's why i'm in this hobby that's why i'm i really like this hobby my overactive imagination lets me take a prompt like you said a seed and turn that into something else so yeah how nice it is to be able to go okay i can turn my brain off and don't have to think about this thing at all I can simultaneously use that as a prompt if my players or the situation at hand is not presenting me in a way that I can leverage it to a comfortable position, right? Mm -hmm. Um, stars without number does that exceedingly well, where some of the table are seeds tables and some of the tables are fully flushed out and you can use them both interchangeably. (laughs) and I don't mean interchangeably in that there's tables, there's the same tables listed multiple times. I mean that like stars without numbers in a weird position, as far as a game is concerned, that game is a fantastic game and an amazing resource. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that game is, is a fantastic game on its own and simultaneously much like GURPS horror is an amazing resource for how to run that type of game. <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and I think, and look, I've not read the system segment of it. Oh, okay. I, I will say just what I've, and it's a shame because I've been sitting on this version of the PDF for a long time, but just looking at these tables, I mean, that's, oh, it's it's so useful.
0: It's, uh, I think there hasn't been many games deserving of the praise like stars without number mm-hmm. stars without number deserves every bit of praise it gets whether you're a fan of sci-fi games or not and and the fact of the matter is is that if you're not a fan of sci-fi games you still need to take note of that because stuff like cities without number exists mm-hmm.
1: and worlds without number which are and worlds
0: without number cyberpunk
1: is... and fantasy versions from the same author
0: yeah and worlds without number existing as a fantasy option is a phenomenal resource, it just just hands down, absolutely stunning, and and it's a great game. The, the, I I don't know anybody that's actually played Stars Without Number, and I'm going to be completely honest, and I don't know that that's a downfall of that game. I think it is just the fact of the matter is is that it's such a great resource in and of itself. It doesn't have to have. Like it could have been a game that it could have been a resource book in and of itself without a game attached to it. Right. And I think everybody would still be singing the praises of that. However, the fact that it has a game attached to it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I love that that game exists. I love that that is a thing that's out there in the world. I had a conversation with somebody one time. I was well at the game store, actually. I was talking to a guy who he wasn't wanting to join our game, but he was having some struggles and he wanted to talk to an experienced GM. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll sit down and talk to you. We'll bullshit for a while and figure out what we need to do here. And he was like, I just, I, I don't know where to take my players. I don't know what to use for prompts. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And he was trying to run something that was roughly fantasy or roughly space based, right? Like he wanted mm-hmm. to do something in Spelljammer, And I set him to Stars without number. I'm like, there's a game that exists. You don't have to acknowledge the game, but you can acknowledge the, everything else about it. And I said, there's a free version. You can pick it up. You don't have to pay anything for it. But go pick up Stars Without Number because it has these tables. And I think that'll help you get your ideas flowing. And a couple of days later, i you know, working at the shop, talking to people. He comes back in. He goes, dude. That was exactly what I needed to get my game where I needed it to be. I'm like, I, I had a hunch that that's what you needed was just some prompts on a world building type thing, stuff that's not in fifth edition d and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I love that system in ways it's got its faults. I'm not dogging on fifth edition because I'm just not, I play that game. I can't dog on it anymore. Like I used to, um, <laughs> You can't talk too much smack when you play the game. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Um, But 5th edition is lacking in tables in a lot of ways. If they just put out a 5th edition's book of tables, I would be like, okay, this is what we needed.
1: You know, I wonder wonder if the current where... Okay, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Where the 2nd edition... Yes, there was a lot of pre-made adventures, so on and so forth. But a lot of it was, here's some stuff, go make your own fun.
0: Yeah, it was build your own adventure.
1: And I wonder if there's been a conscious shift specifically from Wizards, Hasbro as a directive to produce more stuff in a here's an adventure vein as opposed to here's tools. And I asked that because part of me is is looking at it thinking at it from the perspective of a a publisher. And one thing I remember hearing about when T one of the problems that TSR ran into is they had so much stuff spread over lots of little mini settings. Mm -hmm. And so they were publishing a lot of things and only selling a few copies of them, each of them. Yeah. I, I, And the focus has shifted to, let's put out fewer books that we can sell more of, and in that regard, if you put out a book of tools, you sell one copy. If you put out a book of adventures that has a couple tools in it, you sell the next book with adventures and a couple more tools in it.
0: While that's true, there is also, inversely, they do put out their tools books right they have a new one on its way now um and yeah it's it's like 4 to 1 for every 4 setting books that have a handful of tools we get a dedicated tools book mm-hmm. and then very seldomly you get things like everon uh rising from the last war which is a fantastic book that is more tools and setting guide than it is actually a campaign to run fair i think what you get more of is like, you're saying campaigns to run, you know, here's the pre-written just run them, play it, you know, do whatever. Mm. But we do get things like Xanathar's guide to everything, Tasha's cauldron. And we're getting another one coming out here soon called, uh, the book of many things. I want to say it's basically like an expanded deck of many things type book. It's all going to be tables. Um, and we do get those, but, It is very much um, four to one. You know, you get you get four campaign books to one lore book to one. You know, like half of uh, uh, something like Xanathar's Raven or uh, Xanathar's uh, Guide, or not Xanathar's, but uh, half of like you know, you get like um, what was the D and D one called? What do you? Oh, the D and D setting book. Or Eberron, or things like that, where it's just a setting, instead of an actual campaign. Uh, Raven... Ravenloft? uh, No, not Ravenloft. what your... your... Uh... Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Because GMG is basically... It's basically like how uh, Eberron is, where it's a setting and rules.
1: That's true. You had, what was the Theros one? Yep. Uh, Fair.
0: I, yeah, no, I, I think your point is valid. However, there are, they are, they do things to mitigate people from making that point too many times. I think they get annoyed with the question of, so you just not going to print rules and we're just going to keep putting out sightings books or what? Yeah. I, I,
1: Hey, it is what it is. Right. But I, I yeah. think, I think, and, and look from a business perspective, I get it. Right. But I like having those seeds, those kernels to do my own thing off of, um, and that's that's just the way I like to do things because I like to take what someone else did and and fiddle with it.
0: <laughs> I agree. I I'm the same um, way.
1: I'm. You know, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, at the same point, and and this is again, you know, if you have random creature generators or tables, um, I. I think I prefer to use them as inspiration as opposed to just pick it up and set it down but I'm not going to tell anyone I think they're they're valuable tools to be able to have and and I guess one of the nice things with with like a random creature generator if it's literally generating a new creature or a new combination let's put it that way we all have have known those people who, to speak in D anD D terms, know the monster manual.
0: Oh, they pour <laughs> over that book. Yeah, I, I, we've we both played with a guy that was like that that knew every creature, and it's like it's almost not fun at that point. Like you took the mystery out of it.
1: Yeah, and 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 I think that's something which remind me I have to uh, talk to you once we're done recording about, but. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I I feel like if if it's literally giving you stuff to that can can throw a player like that off the trail, mm-hmm. or just keep your group guessing a little bit, I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, it, to combat those players, and I'll just derail this for a half a second. To combat those players, I describe my creatures completely differently than how the book describes them.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey. Just because I'm using the stat block from an owlbear doesn't mean that the owlbear needs to look like an owlbear. Yeah. I, I I've I've taken that. I stole that from Genesis. It's like <laughs> everything I listened to enough of I, I I'm just gonna call him out on this. I've listened to enough of Chris and Hooley's podcast to know that everything is just reskinned to something else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and you know what the sad part is, is it's really the truth. Yeah. Um but but you can you can get a lot out of it that way too. Like you said, reskin it, swap out one thing for a different thing, and you don't have to worry if, if you're worried about balance. If you only, don't play with too many things at once and you'll be fine.
0: I don't know why you'd be worried about it depending, well, I'm, I'm on, depending the game. on the game. Yeah, depending on the game you worry about balance. When it comes to D&D, unless you're throwing 14 beholders at the party, I'm you're not worried about balance. I <laughs> you're not. i've i've been doing my damnedest to kill my 10th level party (laughs) (laughs) they're still alive uh they keep finding ways to thwart my plans like i don't need to worry about balance they fought an entire freaking dragon and bodied him
1: (laughs) i mean yeah it's but I think, you know, that's to me, that's where those things now, specifically Oracles, I don't have any experience with.
0: No clue. I know um, when we talked to, oh, man, way back when we talked about solo RPGs. Solo
1: John, yeah.
0: Yeah, they talked about Oracles, and I uh, I still have yet to inter- interact with any of that stuff.
1: Yeah, likewise. Um, I think this, this kind of leaves an elephant in the room, though, and... Another thing that I have not f- messed with is these AI stuff, like the chat GTP
0: And I, I have, I have taken the side. I've taken the side of the uh, some people in our Discord, and I understand that. Uh, hey, it's cool. It's a tool. Whatever. I don't touch it. I would much rather have something made by somebody that's a real person. And and, and I and, go ahead. Well, I'll talk a little bit about on why. So I have, and you know this, I have a bit of a tech background. Mm -hmm. And so I understand how ChatGPT has worked for a long time is it's been gathering information from users of various other things. So it's gathered information from from here, from there, from Google data, from metadata, all this information it's gathered. And it's also gathered information from products that exist, products that don't exist, books, uh, other people's writing. And so I am very, very off put by using that stuff because it is stealing somebody else's writing style to do something that it's claiming to be its own, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And and I'm not faulting. I'm not going to say you're a bad person. If you want to make that, if you make that ethical decision and you choose to use it, that is on you. I'm not going to say you're a bad person for doing that. I personally choose not to use it because I would much rather support creators That I know personally or that I know are real people and can reach out to and go, hey, I really appreciate what you did here. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if I went to chat GPT and was like, write me a Harlem Unbound-esque story, it would steal Chris Pivey's writing style and write me a Harlem Unbound-esque story. Whereas if I go to Chris Spivey and go, I need a prompt for my Harlem Unbound game, he'll give me one. You know what I mean? And I can get it from the horse's mouth versus. And I know that's an incredibly privileged position I'm in, right? We have access to some people that we really shouldn't have access to for as little as we are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being (laughs) honest, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm going to support a human over a robot any day of the week. And yeah, there's cool stuff there, but it's not, it's it's not, uh, doesn't have the human touch. Yeah. And that creeps me out. And and then also the the like AI art generation stuff AI art stolen art because it takes somebody else's art style and makes an image in its approximation of their art style.
1: I I don't think any points you raised are incorrect. Um, I have not messed with any of them, uh, partially because where you have a tech background, um, uh, most of our listeners have heard me. Talk about it a little bit. And if you're on our Discord, you've probably heard some more of it. I have very weird interactions with technological things.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm well aware of that.
1: I, you know, I get unusual problems with technological things, even with mechanical things, but technological things more so. And I'm hesitant to put my f- faith, if you will, into machine generated. Processes. I think AI art on some level, as long as they're being upfront about it, has a place in this industry in the in in the this context. Um, let's say you or I want to put out an adventure book of something. We want a cover piece that is at least not stock art. Now, to be able to I honestly don't know what the rates of an artist for cover work would be, but I know they're not they're out of outside of my budget if I was going to produce something at this point myself. As much as I would like to pay an artist to make me something, I can't right now. I would probably were I to be putting out something, would maybe use some sort of AI generated image as a cover. Then try and use, you know, bought stock art, whatever internally. Um, that being said, as a goal, I might eventually, if the product were to move enough that, okay, then I would then go hire an artist to make me a cover and replace it in the digital, you know, the digital edition that's up for sale. I think that's using it as a tool in that regard, I don't think is bad as long as you're upfront about it. The other the, where I think See, I have the least problem with using it is let's say you're playing on a digital tabletop and you want to make tokens for whatever it is, your monsters and PCs.
0: I look at that. Well, yes, but also no, I, I, I agree with you there, but I, at the same time, I could go to Google and Google images. And if I'm just going to steal art, I'm going to steal somebody else's, you know what I mean? Like, especially when it comes to playing virtual tabletop stuff. Yeah, if you want to go and get a highly specific image generated, sure, that's fine. I think, well, I don't know that it's fine, but it's, it's acceptable use of AI generation. My thing is, as far as like your cover for like a book, like if we were to want to publish a book and I needed a cover and I couldn't afford to pay an artist, I would try and... Not necessarily befriend, but reach out to people and be like, look, this is the situation. I can't afford to pay you. You know, I'm looking for cover work. You know, if you know somebody that needs publicity, that's a decent artist, somebody that needs help coming up. Sometimes that can help. Like sometimes partnering with somebody who's just as small and just as broke as you are is a great way for both of you to excel as a as a creator.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I get that too. And like I said, it, it's something. Quite frankly, I don't know that as much as I've had ideas in the past. It's, it's not a spot that I think at this stage I don't anticipate myself being in. At least not anytime soon. Right. And so it's easy for me to to go. Well, I think this, and I think that. When, let's face it, I'm probably not going to have to make that choice.
0: No. I well. I mean I, I might at some point, but yeah, no, I feel that I'm not ever gonna I might have to make that choice at some point, but I'm not ever going to um choose the AI over a person.
1: Oh they no, if not if yeah, if if I could reasonably make real person produce things absolutely. Yeah. That's that's yeah, I I'm with you there. I I, I don't know. Part of me maybe this is just the the cynic in me but like i don't want to use alexa like i don't have any alexa crap in my house because i just don't want it
0: i you know, uh, like i i feel like and and tell I have me a weird position when it comes to that because i interact with uh well there's a lot of cursing that goes on when i interact with her but um i i'm not a fan of those i'm not a fan of those but uh Every once in a while, I use like my Siri on my phone to like set an alarm or something, which usually comes with Siri set an alarm. And then she goes, for what time? And I tell her and then she goes, for what time? And I'm like, you stupid son of a. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel that you don't want to interact with that stuff. However, the weird thing with and I've used chat GPT and art generation stuff just to play with it before I had an opinion on it, really. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing with that is it's so smooth. I, It's so weirdly easy to use. It, like, ChatGPT, as far as creating prompts and stuff, it's it is, there are some things that you can really trip it up with, but it is so smooth.
1: I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I've not messed with it, so I I can't offer any sort of educated opinion on it as far as what it actually does. I can tell you I routinely get disturbed by the things that autofill into search bars on my phone, like, you know, I've been thinking about this thing. I don't think I've even said anything aloud, but I go to, you know, open a search bar on my phone and it fills out something way too adjacent to the things that have been rattling around my head. And that, I won't won't say it scares me, but it's kind of disturbing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's all based off of, and that's just how much information that you put into the um sorry that's just how much information you share while just conversating in a normal daily basis right yeah like, that's all predictive it, so it, it's, is. it's it's predicting that you're gonna want to search up something like we were just talking about guitars mm-hmm. i i said to you about uh the one rickenbacker bass that i really like mm-hmm. google knows i've googled that Rick rickenbacker bass like 15 times so it's going to, as soon as I start typing in base, it's going to bring that up and know mm-hmm. that I've searched that. That's just what we feel. This comes back to a whole efficacy in, in technology and in internet and data privacy and all that fun stuff that every couple of years comes around. That's an interesting conversation that comes up every time, but this is a tabletop RPG podcast and not a podcast about that type of stuff. I'm sorry. Fair. Like I could get into deep deep intellectual thoughts about it um but the fact of the matter is is that this isn't the podcast for that <laughs>
1: no and 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 i guess like look right as as far as you know if if that's your jam to use for your games then good for you you know i'm not going to tell do that something...
0: that's, <laughs> that is perfectly perfectly fine you want to um you want to use that stuff you feel comfortable with that your table's comfortable with that Hey, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um uh,
1: yeah, I, I mean I, I think it's a tool.
0: Um I don't it's not a tool I'm putting in my arsenal, if I'm completely honest. That's just and, and, my yeah my opinion.
1: I think I'm I'm in a similar place there. But I I'm, I'm not gonna look down on someone because
0: they do. No. No, I'm not. If you make look, we're all adults here, unless you're not, in which case it's not life or death decisions. Be, probably, on. yeah, you will be at some point. If you make the decision to use that, you're cool with it. Your table's cool with it. I can't tell you not to do that. I can't. I, I, I'm not there. I'm not at your table. Whatever. If I had somebody, if I sat down at a con game and I played a con game that was run based off a Chat GPT thing, and I didn't know it, I'm not gonna be like. Blo-lo-lo-lo. I'm going to be like, oh, wow, that's weird. All right, cool. But I know for me personally, I feel a little sketched out using it as a tool. Okay, fine. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I could have a wrong opinion. That's okay. I I just fall on the side uh, again. And I I don't mean to harp on this. And I don't mean to harp on anybody that wants to use those tools. I fall on the side of creators because I am at the end of the day or would like to be a creator. (laughs) That's just why I fall on that side of the argument.
1: No, and, and I yeah, I I'm I mean it's no secret to well you it's I like to make things. Right. Of of assorted whatever and and there's something sometimes I could go and buy a thing Where or I could I make build me it myself. Thing. Exactly. And I might spend several hours making the thing that I could have driven to a store and bought and brought home. And there are probably cases where the thing I could have driven to the store and bought would be objectively superior to the thing that I made. But in for me, sometimes maybe I learned something in the process of making whatever thing that was, and to me that's valuable. Or, look, it's just the thing, and it does exactly what I need it to do and only that, and I just had fun making it.
0: Well, sometimes it's fun to make tools. Mm hmm. I don't, I don't and sometimes it's fun to just, sometimes you just need to use a tool. Like the other day. Okay, perfect example of this, and you'll appreciate this. We were doing brakes on her car. I didn't know, apparently, on her car, the rear calipers wind in. That's. Uh, it was it um,
1: i thought most manufactured gone manufacturers had gone away from that design but
0: yes they did me and dad tend to think that it's because it has the emergency brake tied to the rear rear brakes and so it's some sort of emergency brake thing so it doesn't so the caliper clamps right better
1: well in in the designs welcome to the me and steve automotive hour um (laughs) in the designs i have seen that don't use that This is usually in the rear, if a vehicle has rear disc brakes. Right, yeah. Usually there's either a mini drum inside the rotor that is exclusively your parking brake, or it has that screw-in crap.
0: Yeah. So it it doesn't have a mini drum that's inside the um, caliper. It just has a standard rear hub, and it's just a standard, or not inside the caliper, inside the rotor. It's just a standard rotor with the wind in rear brakes, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think that's actually really smart Uh, on, on Honda's end. It makes sense. Less parts that you have to piss with. Right. Fair enough. Um, but so we sat around and I was like, well, we got to go pick up parts from the parts store. Anyways, I'm going to get that tool because there's the little brick, the little cube. Yeah. It's got four sides to it or, you know, whatever many sides, six sides to it. And it all, each side does a different thing. Or for a different manufacturer of car. I could have sat there in the garage and welded together two pieces of, you know, two nails onto a socket that would have fit and, you know, it would have done the same thing. Or I'm going to the store anyways. I'm just going to pick up the part. Right. I'm just going to get the tool. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. You just you just don't want to have to mess with the making it yourself. And you're just like, I'm just going to get the tool that I need and be done with it. Right. And I think that's the case is when you're, you know, when you're in a bind and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll go to chat GPT. Maybe I won't. I think the thing of it is, is that, um, you know, it's just one of those, sometimes that's the tool you need. Sometimes it's not.
1: Sometimes you need a wrench. Sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need every both. now and then you use a wrench for a hammer.
0: And every now and again, you use a hammer for a wrench. Yeah, it's a little harder, but I've done it. <laughs> I've, I've I have too. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine today that uh, I, he he's having some house issues and I he's like I need a, a a pipe wrench. I'm like okay, so I grabbed what I use as a pipe wrench, which is um uh, channel locks. Mm-hmm. I have two big sets of channel locks, so I brought them to him. He's like, that's not what I meant. I'm like, listen, I've used these things enough that if you can't get it with those. You're not getting it with a monkey, w- with, a, with an actual pipe wrench. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> the tighter yeah. you grip, the stronger it is. He's like, oh. Oh, my. It exposes a lot of how I work on things. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to use vice grips as an actual vice. I've done he, that. He had found a set. Oh, man. He found these vice grips that have a little hole in the end of the nut. So you can run a screwdriver through it and really crank it down. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I I I don't know where he found them at, but if you ever come across if I if I can find them.
1: Oh, I, I know what you mean you mean. I've just never seen granted, you could just take a regular pair of pliers and crank on that thing, that knurled
0: knob pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's problem is usually they start deflecting when you start cranking that's, on them too. That's hard. it
0: exactly. They're Milwaukee's. Okay, they're Milwaukee's. They're called Torque Lock. Here, I'll send you the link on the Lo- or on Home Depot's website. Um, because I've we've pretty much replaced all of our vice grips. Uh, again, back to the Steve and Steve Motor Hour. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, no, 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 it's all good. Um, it's my podcast. I'll talk about what I want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, no, I think it's it it's an issue of yeah, what tools you know. Uh you know, what tools are you comfortable using how?
0: (laughs) And sometimes you only know how to use the wrong tool. So you homebrew fifth edition into everything. I mean, uh sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, but
1: but it it in the end, I think all these generators they're tools.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: they can they can serve to really drive you creatively if you want to use them that way, or you can just use them to spit out something to use and i think that's fine you know what i mean like i don't know how else
0: to say it yeah do you do you i mean uh, that's my thing is you do what you and your table are cool with if you're playing solo rpgs it's just you you Mm -hmm. just have to make the decision on what you're cool with so well how long have we been almost going on this okay well, let's go ahead and move into Game of the Week then. Yeah, all right. Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week. Game of the Week. So, as much as I dog on 5th edition conversions, I have one. Uh oh. Um, but it's actually kind of a cool 5th edition conversion. It's, it's either 5th edition or Everyday Heroes. Um, and it is The Crow Cinematic Adventure by Evil Genius Games authored by Chris Goober-Ramsley and Rick Hines. Are you familiar with The Crow? The movie? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Send me
1: the link to that if you would, please. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I had uh, my... One of the roommates I had freshman year of college was obsessed with the movie.
0: I'm not obsessed with it. I just really like it. (laughs) Actually, I own
1: the score to The Crow
0: on the CD. That's a fantastic, fantastic score.
1: Um, by the way, you want to know what actually will get you an eyebrow raised to, to you at the music store? Now, this was back in the 90s, but I bought, on the same trip, I bought the Misfits Crimson Ghost album, the soundtrack, or, the, or maybe it was the soundtrack to The Crow, the that Tupac double album that was real big.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And the score to Hunt for Red October all on the same trip.
0: I... <laughs> I can imagine how somebody at a music shop would be confused by that. But at the same time, I would buy those three things if I found them at a music shop. I would be like, that looks like that sounds like some of the times that I've gone into stores and bought things like I picked up. um, So I've been getting back into vinyl and I picked up Black Sabbath's Paranoid. Um, I picked up Eddie Murphy's Raw vinyl. And I picked up uh, one of the Van Hagar albums. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one. They all sound the same, but I love Van Hagar.
1: <laughs> I, you won't hear me complain.
0: Uh, so I picked those three up. And the guy's standing there looking at me. And he's looking at my albums. Plus, I think I got like a Jonas Brother album for her. And I got like a Justin Bieber, Bieber album for her. Right. So he's looking at this spread. And he's looking at me. He goes, I don't, what is your musical taste? And I looked at him and went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the crow <laughs> back to, back to tabletop RPGs. Cause we, we have been bad today. <laughs> <laughs> the crow by evil genius games. Um, again, it's the crow. It's some tragedies never rest. Even after death, every culture in the world has its myth about our souls traveling to the land of the dead and warnings about their return. You play, I don't know, uh, what I'm trying to see is visit the world of the crow and wreak ha- vengeance on those who would turn the lands into living dead of, on their head. Um, a global wave of violent crime subtly lights cities ablaze around the world in a revival of the forgotten tradition of the devil's night. Uh, caught in the crossfire, you can't rest until revenge is had, or rather, you aren't allowed to rest until the wrongs committed have been set right. It sounds like you and your group play the Crow, and I'm pretty down for that.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I've got to be honest, It I've played with a lot of tables that would have a lot of fun with a well-set-up premise like that.
0: Yeah, I, I think the only conceit you have to make is either you all play people that are the Crow, right, that are revived, revenants, mm-hmm. or... <clears throat> you have one guy who is the crow, probably the GM, and then a handful of supporting characters.
1: Or you turn it on its head. And you play and, the bad guys? <laughs> and the PCs are the bad guys.
0: Yeah, you could do that too. That would be really fun.
1: I, again, I think there'd have to be some pre-session talk oh, about, <laughs> you know. But, there's
0: some safety rules in play there. There oh, is.
1: absolutely. And I think this is a game that that's needs that anyway. Just... Look, the crow was not a uh, kind premise,
0: no, it's not I love that movie. I'm sorry. I love how sleazy and grimy that movie is. I watched it oh maybe three weeks ago at this point. i i, I uh, okay, not this obsessed is, with it, but I just love that movie. This is
1: for the everyday Heroes game, which
0: is yes d d based yes. Okay. So you okay. could run it in everyday heroes, you could run it in five E technically. Well, I think you Everyday
1: could... Heroes is is the quote unquote five E version of D twenty modern. Yeah. Oh uh, okay. No, I like look, I haven't watched it in quite a while. I've seen it a lot of times. Um no, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a valid thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a valid move, a valid game, and I'm very excited. I want to get my hands on that. And I was thinking about it, just reading over that. I was like, I know a handful of people that don't even play tabletop RPGs that would be down to play that. Mm mm-hmm. um, So and with it being we're coming up into October, Uh, you know, you got to be thinking about the spooky games. Mm hmm and that is one of those spooky games that you could play in October and have a really good time with. Absolutely. And that's mine. What do you got, Steve? Well,
1: I am going to go kind of thematically with the conversation that we had tonight with this kind of little OSR game that'll set you back all of about 5 bucks. It's called Maze Rats. Uh, It's from the same guy who wrote
0: Knave, amongst other things. Yeah, that'll be good.
1: It is self-described as an RPG and sandbox toolkit for old school, old school style adventuring. Single compact page of rules, one-page character creation guide, character sheet, eight pages of 36-item random tables. Um, it says each page contains nine to twelve tables covering spells, monsters, NPCs, treasure cities, wilderness dungeon, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and so on. Game itself is 2D6 based, quick character gen, you know, great for it says convention games, one-shots, etc. Um, and it's 13 pages, so five bucks for 13 pages, maybe a little steep, but hey, it is what it is. Still not breaking the bank by any stretch. And like I said before, for me, these tables are seed fields. So, I mean, if each page contains nine to 12 tables and there's eight pages of tables that's 80 to 100 tables 80 that yeah, sounds about 95? right 95 i you know i'm not doing full-on math in my head but somewhere in that range 80 plus but
0: the numbers are there
1: yeah uh so yeah i mean that's a lot of things that can make you go ooh, and you know the yes and right mm-hmm. um said it's a game called uh, maze rats from questing beast games written by ben milton
0: awesome well with that all being said we want to remind everyone as always links to everything are in the show notes we're going to be at pgx literally next week so as you're hearing this saturday and sunday we will be at pgx come see us please mm-hmm. um we have a panel I'm running Hell Knight, you're running Havoc Brigade? Yep. Um, Then, you know, the Patreon's down there, the Discord's down there. Please join us on Patreon. Please check us out on Discord. If At the very least, the most you could do is follow us on Facebook, that's great. And if you use Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. Five stars would be preferred, one star, just send us an email. Uh, <laughs> the email's down in the link. They're down in the Discord or the doobly do You can just send us an email and tell us why we're so terrible at what we do that we deserve a one star. But yeah, please, you know, or just tell your friends about us. Yeah. If you do give us good ratings on Apple, they promote us to people that are interested in things. So if you want to see the podcast grow, one of the best ways to help us grow is to give us reviews on Apple. And with Apple Podcasts being some of the most podcasts, I'm looking at our metrics. The majority of you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if, if all of you could take five minutes out of your day, two minutes out of your day and give us a quick little review, that would be wonderful.
1: wonderful. Yeah, we would appreciate it.
0: But as always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep.
1: Take care, y'all.
0: intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at me and steve at gmail.com to find us on twitter at and rpgs find us on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast on discord at me and steve rpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another the cigar cigar 20 bucks dog you gotta go down the street to the store and buy that can you hold that thought for two seconds i gotta sure. take care of him i'm gonna i gotta take care of the dog real quick just Alrighty. hold that thought La, da, da, da.
1: La, da, da, da. This week's episode of Me and Steve Talk RPGs is brought to you by Steve's dog needing to leave the room, or is interrupted by, I don't know, something like that. In any case, we will be back shortly.
0: Sorry about that.
1: That's no, all good. All right. Um...